We're live. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of HP Critical. It's a podcast where my friends and I talk all things gaming. Uh, episode, like, really long. Um, <laughs> we're, we're, I... <laughs> we've been doing this a minute. It's, it's hard to keep track. Yeah. I was going to say that I had this whole thing about, like, we're over 100 episodes, and I can't believe we've been doing it for this long and all that. And a lovely little sentimental thing. But I ruined it, so I'm just going to keep going, and I'll save it for another episode. Okay. Um, so I'm, I'm joined I'm today by to... Brand. I'm going to actually, like, uh, grab the baton real quick because it really doesn't feel that long. But then I remember our episodes that we had back when we did the console casters segment before Next Gen came out. So Yeah, it's, which it's was two years about. ago. It was. It's, mm-hmm. crazy. it's crazy to think we've been doing it that long, but here we are. Yeah, and for those listening, I am talking to uh, Brandon. Hi, <laughs> you want to say people. hi? Hello, <laughs> Uh, so once again, as of now, it's just Brandon and I for this week. Things are a little bit crazy at HP Critical Headquarters, um, but we're, we're rolling through. We're getting along. We have a lot of things to discuss today, including the ob- obviously the Nintendo Direct that happened this week, as well as the PlayStation State of Play that happened this week. Um, but first, we're going to do a, a few uh, really heavy-hitting gaming news uh, items from the week, and then we're going to hop right into that, because I'm sure that Brandon and I have a lot of things to say about the Direct as well as uh, the PlayStation State of Play, and um, I can't wait to talk about them. So let's go ahead and get started, unless I'm missing anything. Am I missing anything? Is there anything else we need to announce? Um, our Patreon is closed currently. I think I've mentioned that before. It's going to be reopened, hopefully in the future, but it's closed down for now. Uh, lots of things have been happening, so we're not having a Patreon currently. Um, our website's getting a little bit of a revamp, uh, so definitely if you haven't checked out hbcritical.com recently, we're going to have some more stuff up there for you guys to check out, so definitely go up there, check that all those wonderful articles out that we're going to be having up soon. Um, our Twitch stream is there as well, so you can check out when we're going to be streaming. All that great stuff. Um, you can also, obviously, if you want, uh, use your Twitch Prime sub to subscribe to our Twitch if you'd like, it does help. Um, you can also subscribe directly to the podcast if you want to do that. That's also very helpful. But you know what? It's your money. Do what you want. Do what you want with it. Um, and I think for with with that, I think I'll go ahead and uh, move on. So uh, a little bit of breaking news that I'm I especially want to talk to you about, Brandon, is I uh, don't know if you know this, but so far about twenty five. Uh, of the 200 staff members of G4 TV have been let go. Apparently there's been no communication about what's going on. Um, But G4 TV was hit with major layoffs less than a year after coming back. This is from Kotaku. Um, It just got released uh, a few hours ago, like three hours ago. Um, The home of X-Play and other shows now on Twitch faces really big cuts. Uh, I will try to do a quick summary of this. Actually, no, I'll read the article for you at Kotaku. Um, It says at least somewhere between 20 to 30 staff members were laid off at G4 TV today. According to three sources familiar with the business, the video game talk show network from the 2000s was resurrected last fall on streaming platforms like Twitch as well as cable TV, but now faces major upheaval less than a year later. I truly cannot imagine the company continuing to produce our slate of content without the people we lost today, said one employee. The timing and severity of the cuts took staff by surprise, with talent showing up on set today ready to film, only to have programming canceled as HR reps met individually with employees. While it's not clear what the extent of the layoffs will be, one source said those affected were told they would receive anywhere between 16 weeks and 6 months of severance based on their tenure with Comcast, which is G4's parent company. Um, So I won't go into any more there, but basically they're at a point where if they come back 
to work on Monday. They don't even know if G4 will still exist um, as of right now. Um, NBC Universal HR is going person by person. And cuts are go- coming as a surprise. Um, these are all uh, tweets and information from the uh, article at Kotaku.com. Um, they don't know how widespread the layoffs are going to be. Um, but uh, Comcast apparently is letting go a lot of uh, letting go of a lot of people over at G4 TV. So, Brandon, how do you feel about this? Because I know we talked about when it was coming back on the podcast previously, and less than a year later, um, they're getting they're laying people off, and we don't know if it's. I'm not saying it's not going to come back because we don't know, uh, but we don't know if it's going to be here still by Monday. How are you feeling about this one? What do you think? Yeah, wow, this is breaking news because I literally only saw this like about like right before I came on to the podcast. I was like, ooh. But yeah, no, as far as the news itself, um, it's a shame. It's a shame be, like to, to hear like the, these like rampant layoffs. And I guess there must be like some behind the scenes reasons why this has happened. Like maybe they're not making enough money from advertisements. Maybe the views just aren't there. Because when they came back, they were pretty ambitious with how they came back, you know. They went to TV. It wasn't for every single cable network, but they came back to TV. They came to Twitch streams. They have their YouTube channel, which has like um, X Play stuff. So when they came back, they came back in like a like in a big way. So it is a shame to like see it uh, kind of fall the way the way it is, and it really does hurt because looking at the like I've been keeping up with the X Play videos, not all of them, because not frankly not all of them interest me, but I have been like keeping up with like the reviews and like other like you know. Uh, feature videos, I guess you you could say that I that, that interested me, and they they seem to be very passionate about it. The current staff that they have, anyway, especially Gerard the Completionist, like him him be joining like G four was like a dream come true for him. So to hear like this is uh this is like G four may be gone as early as Monday. That's scary to hear about, honestly. And they recently came out with like this <laughs> this skit show called God of Work, where Gerard the Completionist played like Kratos. In like a like a very office like satire comedy, so you know when you see them going for like a big scale production like that, you're like, wow, they must be doing really well. And then to hear this is like, it feels like, a, oh, oh, wow, all, all right, did y'all b- throw all your money into that? And now you can't afford to pay your people. Like, what's going on here? Uh, Grayson's also on chat saying hello to us. Hey, Grayson. Hey, Grayson. Um, so the article does go on to say that, uh, sources have cold told Kotaku that G4 TV, uh, finances have been in a bad shape for some time and managers were tasked with looking for cost saving wherever possible. Um, things apparently came to a head during an all hands meeting a couple of months ago when the then G4 president, Russell Ahrens, uh, discussed the troubles the business was facing and proposed unrealistic revenue goals for the year ahead. Staff felt blindsided, uh, due to the lack of clear goals for measuring success, uh, against up to that point. Um, and then he left shortly after being replaced by Comcast, Comcast Spectator CEO, Joe Marsh. Um, so there's been... And they and the, the article does go on to talk about the God of Work, uh, the God of Work series that you were just talking about. Um, I can't say that I'm too surprised about this, uh, only because I remember when we first talked about G4 coming back. I I remember saying, "Is there a place for what G4 is currently like on TV? Is there a place for what G4 is currently in in the uh, the the current state of how gaming news and Game? Did I hang up the call? Okay, no. Uh, okay. Uh, also, also, Chrissy says hi. Hey, Chrissy. 
Um, yeah, I, I, you know, I was discussing, like, I don't know where G4 TV fits in all of this. And they've been trying a lot of new things. And apparently, no matter what they try, they're not making the money to sustain. So it's very interesting that, that Comcast would even... First of all, Comcast not giving them enough money to, to last a year is yeah. wild. Yeah, that's uh, number one. Um, but then also Comcast giving them enough money to just play around with and try new things. Because I still feel like G4 has not found its footing even after a year. I don't know if you feel the same way. But every time I go on to, like if I'm scrolling through Instagram or something and I see G4 TV, it's either like something interesting or something wildly ridiculous that I have no interest in watching. Like they will either be talking about video games or they're slapping each other. Like I, like I, I literally don't know. It's always, and I know that it's different shows. Yeah. Um, and I understand that um, each show has a different demographic that it's supposed to be trying to trying to reach. But I feel like because they're so spread out and because they're so open, I only saw things that I was not interested in every time I scrolled by G4 mm-hmm. TV on anything. And that made me not want to watch anything else from G4. Like yeah. that, that it was just really not like me personally, just not something I was looking for. And so when you're throwing money into things and they're not working, and then I saw like one guy was like cross-dressing and doing some impressions. And I was like, what is the show? Like, what is going on? Where are the video games? Like, what is the purpose of what is happening now? Um, yeah. And- uh- Mm-hmm. I know. I'll, I'll say to that is like I I don't follow the, the social media and yeah that's all I can say is like that attack like I've never been like all the stuff you're seeing is most likely from Attack of the Show I have never been interested in that even back in the OG four days like like when I honestly I'll just be completely transparent here when I think of G four both past and present I think of X Play because I think of like mm-hmm. that show and the gaming stuff. So when you say they haven't found its footing, I think there's truth to that because what G4 used to be was like a variety of content that mostly catered to gamers. Now it just seems like be splitting its audience between the gamers and the weird nerd variety content that you see in Attack of the Show. And I think mm-hmm. that's the major problem. Like X-Play, has, in my opinion, has no problems right now. I think that channel is doing has found its identity. It knows what it wants to do and is doing it very well. But yeah, if, you, if it's having to like basically share room, be roommates with Attack of the Show who I don't think is reaching that same kind of wild appeal, I think that's what's causing the issue here. I could be wrong, uh, but, you know, clearly the money's not there, so I'm not really sure. I feel like this is just, like, tinfoil hat and that nonsense, but uh, I feel like they probably should choose one or the other in this case because <laughs> it's, like... Like, that literally means getting rid of half of your staff on the other show, which is like essentially which is, maybe what, what they're doing right now, for all we know. Which is not ideal, but like you said, that is might be what what they're doing. Like if they find something is not working, then that may even lead to more layoffs in the future, which none of us want, and certainly they don't want. Yeah. Um. But that's the sad, sad reality of what they what it may end up being, and I hope it doesn't. But uh, it's distressing. Yeah, it's been a. I just it it makes sense to me because every time I see them, I just really feel like they. Even if one section does have its footing, the company as a whole does not, and that's kind of the issue. Yes, exactly. <clears throat> like you can't sustain if one of your one of your one of your subsidiaries isn't working. Uh, moving on, Cards Against Humanity. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was on the eighth. 
So yeah, it has been a week. Uh, Crimes Against Humanity is donating 100% of their profits to the National Network of Abortion Funds if the order comes from a state restricting abortion access. If someone selects, I don't agree to this, um, or excuse me, if, if someone selects, I didn't agree to this, then they will, uh, an additional $5 in donations is going to be added to their cart. So if you go on and you attempt to order from uh, Cards Against Humanity from a state that uh, does not, uh, that is restricting abortion access, I'll, I'll actually just read it to you. Someone from Texas ordered, and they got the message, Fuck, you live in Texas, a theocratic hellscape, where human beings are forced to carry unwanted pregnancies by threat of imprisonment. We're donating 100% of our profits from your order to the National Network of Abortion Funds. So you can either click OK, you can click Give Five More Dollars, We'll Match It, or you can click What? I'm Pro-Life, I Didn't Agree to This. So if you click What? I'm Pro-Life, I Didn't Agree to This, you get another message that says, so you don't want us using your money to pay for abortions. You know, sometimes people have values imposed upon them by bigger, more powerful entities, and they're forced to do things they don't want to do, like carry an unwanted pregnancy. For example, we just added an extra $5 donation to the National Network of Abortion Funds to your cart. Um, so yeah, if the, first of all, I think this is a brilliant marketing scheme. I think it's a way to teach people that like, if you don't want this happening to you, this is how it would feel because you don't have a choice and it's something that's happening to you. And I think it's just a really interesting and awesome way for a game company to get involved in something and actually do something about it, especially being able to uh, match donations as well. This is a really, really big deal. So I definitely wanted to bring that one up. Do you have anything on that? that you want to say yeah no like i definitely i saw this like on, on socials like uh, like when b back when you posted initially i thought it was awesome i'm also going to echo echo what chrissy had put on chat it's a wonderful thing honestly that she's glad doing it for cards yeah no it's great um i'm glad that they're doing their own way to um strike back against like this issue that's like plaguing many parts of our country right now um so no i think i think it's awesome i think it's a really cool for, i love that they're donating <laughs> and only cars against humanity as a company frankly can, i, I think yeah. could get away with doing something like this because they're known for being like uh, raunchy anyway so like like yeah oh fuck you live in a hellscape oh, well, yeah. <laughs> right and oh it, you it, didn't it, want to donate <laughs> okay well let me show you what that feels like <laughs> exactly <laughs> i love it absolutely love it so also interesting, uh, PlayStation said that Xbox's Call of Duty offer was inadequate on many levels. Microsoft has offered for Call of Duty to remain on PlayStation for three years uh, beyond the current deal. And uh, Jim Ryan said that the offer was inadequate on many levels. The disagreement between the two companies follows Microsoft's offer to buy Call of Duty publisher Activision Blizzard in a deal worth, as we know now, nearly $69 billion. It's still being investigated and currently scrutinized by competitors' regulations. Um, uh, however, last week, Xbox revealed that it provided a signed agreement to Sony to guarantee Call of Duty on PlayStation with feature and content parity for at least several more years beyond beyond Sony's extending contract with Activision. Xbox said this offer goes well beyond typical gaming industry agreements. So essentially, basically what they're going to do is you've got this agreement with Activision Blizzard. We're going to um, we're going to meet that agreement and then we have another agreement that's going to allow you for a few years after to continue on with having exclusivity in some form of um Call of Duty, um, which is just going to be the same exclusivity as it has been uh, before. So I'm not saying that it's exclusive to consoles, but just uh, all the things that PlayStation got before Xbox and that contract. Xbox literally said, hey, we're going to allow you to do this for 
several more years on top of the current deal that you already have. Uh, the current deal uh, with Sony and Activision Blizzard um, around Call of Duty is believed to cover the next three years of releases, including this year's Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2. However, Sony says the offer fails to consider the impact on PlayStation gamers. Quote, I hadn't intended to comment on what I understood to be a private business conversation, but I feel the need to set the record straight because Phil Spencer brought this into the public forum, Ryan stated. Microsoft has only offered for Call of Duty to remain on PlayStation for three years after the current agreement between Activision and Sony ends. After almost 20 years of Call of Duty on PlayStation, their proposal was inadequate on many levels and failed to take account of the impact on our gamers. We want to guarantee PlayStation gamers continue to have the highest quality of Call of Duty experience and Microsoft proposal undermines this principle. This is from GameIndustry.biz. Brandon! Jim Ryan said, I want to talk about this in front of everybody, but Phil Spencer wants to bring it up in front of everybody. So now I'm going to tell you, we've had Call of Duty for 20 years. And you think that giving us an additional three years is enough? No, it's not. How you feel about this? Man, I need to bring my empty salt shaker because Jim Ryan looks like he sounds like he could fill it up for me real quick. Uh, that's 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 how I feel about all this, honestly. Xbox out here paying their money, and Jim Ryan's like, only three more years? Did you spend that money to get Activision Blizzard, Jim Ryan? No, I don't think so, man. So, like, you're out here complaining. Oh, man, we can't have this thing that we didn't really pay for anymore. We just thought we would just have this deal in perpetuity. Nah, fam. Xbox out here throwing out their big cards, and Jim Ryan wants to act like they're not they're not playing a game no more. Like, I, 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 I get it. From a business standpoint, I do get it. Like, um... But I don't like, but I don't like that he's framing it, um... I don't like that he's framing it as like, Oh, you see... Xbox spent money to make the gamers sad. Like, man, you like you're talking about like you're not out here monopolizing Call of Duty deals for like 20 years. Like he's mentioned those 20 years of like that Call of Duty has been around. Yeah, that's 20 years that you're out here like making like these exclusive things you could only do on PlayStation or talking about other or if we're even going beyond the specific Call of Duty thing. Talking about like we're not gonna allow crossplay because games are best played on the PlayStation systems. So for him to go out of his way and be upset about this now feels very hypocritical to me. Honestly, um, it just feels like that's that's kind of how just how I feel about. It. I'm just hearing all of this and I'm just oh like, oh my god, <laughs> Christy and Christy I... on chat. Great time for a Sony Studio to make something better. <laughs> I completely disagree with everything you're saying, Brandon. Oh, really? Talk, talk to me about it. Oh, hold on. I... Wait, before you speak, Chrissy put another message saying, contracts are also important, so we won't know what's on the fine print on the contracts. Uh, but she hates that gaming is starting to feel like a monopoly with Microsoft and Sony purchasing multiple studios. I disagree with everything you said, because one, first of all, if I was PlayStation, I would not want to buy Activision Blizzard. They were going through much too much shit anyway, period. Like, I don't think that buying Activision Blizzard is necessarily a smart move for anyone. I feel like they should have been um, and continue to be the independent company that they were. Because if ever there was a monopoly on buying a company, Activision Blizzard was that. Because, like, to date, this has been and probably will be the biggest acquisition. Because we've already talked when yeah. Kelly was here just about the games themselves and what they represent for gaming. World of Warcraft and Overwatch and Call of Duty, like, all and, and all the King titles. Like, we've already discussed how important and impactful that is. So this is a huge huge dent in in gaming 
for for uh, as far as acquisitions go. Like this is a huge loss for gamers in general. Um, if if things become exclusive, one, two, PlayStation is in the game to sell PlayStation consoles. Xbox is not. So like they're also on two different playing fields from this. Of course, PlayStation is going to want to keep exclusives because they want to sell their console. Xbox doesn't care. They just want you to play. They don't care where you play. So of course, they're going to come at it from different business standpoints. Also, Call of Duty doesn't really have any like real exclusives that would bar people from playing on Xbox. If this uh, contract after three years, if they decide that they want to then make Call of Duty exclusive, that's fucked up for everybody who plays on PlayStation. So it technically can be an issue for gamers. Um, and I think if I've had a contract with a company for as long as PlayStation has had a contract with Call of Duty and they weren't looking to buy them out as a company, you don't have to look to buy someone out to have a contract with them. I think that's okay. I don't think they needed to have to go out of their way to be like, I want to purchase you before anybody else does so that I can keep my exclusivity. However, if I have had such a contract with you for so long, I would feel like, yeah, this is a this is a, a freaking like slip of the rug under my feet when I find out that I've had this contract for you. And now like that loyalty that we've built uh, together from the contracts that we've had might be fucked up in three years time after 20 years of partnership because somebody else came and bought you. And I might not have been looking to buy you. <laughs> like, that's the other thing. We don't know if PlayStation was looking to buy Activision Blizzard. And they, and if they were, I think it's good that they didn't. I don't think anybody should have bought them. I think they're too big of a company. And I completely disagree with everything you said. I just see it as a... as a, I see it as... Yeah, that's it. I'm done. Because I don't no. want to spend too much time on this. Well, I was going to say, like... I don't even disagree with what you're saying. I think there's a, there was a misunderstanding here because I I agree with everything you said. The thing is, I'm not even necessarily saying that it was a good thing that Activision Blizzard got bought out because you're right, it's a big company. It should it's too big a company for it to be bought out by like one of the big three, in my opinion. Um, I was more talking about Jim Ryan's uh, position on the whole issue is what I was uh, talking about because you know he's. He's speaking of it. Uh, he the, has the right to be upset. He does have the right to be upset, and but he's trying to frame it as if he's uh, speaking from the perspective of what you just said about you know what he's saying is not incorrect. I think that's the main thing. But from a man of his position to to um to make the statement, you can't help but feel there's like just a little bit of sting there. Like I stand by what I said that he's like salty as hell, and not just because of like of like the general gamer stuff. But also just the fact that he's businessman that's losing out on something that he like didn't have a monopoly over. Like monopoly is not the right word because he never had a PlayStation never had a monopoly on the Call of Duty series ever. They just had a monopoly on certain content depending on the entry of the game, and it just it just it doesn't feel sincere. I think that's what it really comes down to. Like he's saying the right literally things, but, said. But, I, but I don't think it's coming from the right place. The man literally said, I'm only bringing this up because Phil Sensor brought it out to the open. It was private conversations that we were having that he brought out. So now I have to say something about it. Yeah. no. He is, I like, would be salty too if I'm having private conversations with you and then you blast them in front of everyone. And now I have to try to defend my stance without sounding like a hater. And then you're going to come and say I sound salty anyway. That's yeah, crazy. Exactly. So Phil that Sensor is crazy. It was, it was a lose-lose situation, and he lost. 
That's well. Oh my god! I'm gonna move on. This is this is mind-boggling. What is going on here? Christy, Christy has uh, said a few things on chat. She's saying, "Isn't Activision Blizzard Microsoft being investigated in like New York for using a merger to shield them against the allegations?" And also, she they, did, they, they, yeah. And she also said that Jim Ryan phrased it poorly. I don't see it phrased poorly at all. I don't. I don't see a single problem with what he said. Like I don't, I don't see how y'all think that's phrased poorly. I think it's a shitty deal. He all he said was, "I think this is a shitty deal," and he has every right to say, "I think this is a shitty deal." Because if I've had them, if I've had a partnership with them for twenty years, and then you come back and you're like, "All right, well, you get three years more." Like, excuse me, excuse me, are you fucking serious? This is a shitty ass deal, and he should have. Okay. Um, Anyway, I'm going to just run through some more things from, and not a lot, there was a lot at D23 that we still haven't discussed. Um, however, there were some casting um, conversations that were brought up, including Lee Jung Jae, who has been cast as the male lead in The Acolyte, and Iman Esfandi, who will be officially playing Ezra Bridger in Ashoka, the series. Um, I think those are the only two I have for Star Wars now, if you want to mention those really quickly. I do, because, uh, well, the first one, is mentioning um so the actor that's playing the lead in the acolyte is uh to international audiences most well known for playing the lead character in squid game which of course made a big splash last year on netflix um he's before even before that show came out he was well known in his home country of, of, of korea but you know that's the first he's a huge korean actor yeah exactly so that's a, that definitely wasn't as like his big first big role but it's the first role that most people overseas know him for but it's um he's getting the Donnie Yen treatment I'm calling it because Donnie Yen was famous for his Ip Man movies in China, and then he got international famous Star Wars. Ironically enough, the same thing. Like I think Donnie Yen's like one of his first like big uh, movie outside of the Ip Man series was like his appearance in um Rogue One, and now it seems to be happening with this actor as well for um the acolyte. And then the other actor, I'm gonna be honest, I'm not familiar with the actor. I'm just happy that we got a confirmation that uh, Ezra is going to appear in the new Star Wars Ahsoka show because I won't go into too details for those who are who are not caught up on the show. I don't want to spoil nothing. But um, Ezra being in the show is important because it's going to tie up a loose end that's been active for I'm going on five years now that I'm looking forward to finally see uh, resolved in some way. So yay, Ezra. All right, uh, we've got like five more minutes left and a lot of news to cover in that. So I'm going to try to do this real quick before we move on to the presentations. Um, starting with Ubisoft, who like keeps just doing weird things. Uh, <laughs> actually, yeah, let's start with Ubisoft. Yeah. Um, so Ubisoft is launching a five year plan to improve racial, ethnic, and cultural diversity within its studios and the wider company. This is a, an article over at IGN.com written by Ryan Dinsdale. Um, there was a report by GI.biz that uh, a Ubisoft blog post dealt into how the Assassin's Creed and Far Cry publisher is planning to evolve its workplace culture, one of which is through a new initiative called Project Rise. It looks to diversify Ubisoft staff by increasing the number of people from different backgrounds, focusing in particular on gender equality, race and ethnicity, LGBTQIA inclusion, and disability inclusion present at different parts of the uh, company. Excuse me. Um, over the course of the next five years, we will focus on three key areas, talent acquisition, internal talent development, and external talent pipeline development. 
We know we have room for growth when it comes to the representation of racial, ethnic, and cultural diversity, both within Ubisoft and the gaming industry at large. This is from the VP of Global Diversity. Rashi Sika. Uh, with this in mind, we created a multi-year strategy called Project Rise to ensure that Ubisoft better reflects the diversity of our players with their focus on racial, ethnic, and cultural diversity. Um, so, of course, this was met with lots of um, differing opinions on the matter. Uh, some people were saying, great, this is another reason to skip uh, Ubisoft games. Um, most people were asking, is this going to improve the quality of the games? Or, you know, Ubisoft should make a five-year plan to make better games. Um, and then there were other people that were saying, I hope diversity will reflect on all cultures. Um, but a lot of the comments were, uh, uh, you know, while there were some positive comments, a lot of the comments were, um, maybe you guys should focus on making better games instead of, uh, diversity hires. And let me just say that usually when you have a diverse people, group of people, you end up making better games for everyone. Um, especially because different people are bringing different aspects, um to the situation. But before we talk about this one, there's another piece on Ubisoft that I want to bring up as well. Um, there's a new interview with Yves Guillemot. Mm, yeah. Sorry. Um, in which he suggests that some reports of sexual misconduct and toxic management in Ubisoft arose from generational differences over acceptable workplace behavior. So um, first we hear the good news of them trying to do this wonderful... Um, hiring uh, Project Rise, where they're going to increase over the next five years, diversity and inclusion in all aspects at Ubisoft. And then this interview comes up, and uh, it kind of puts things on a difficult spot, is what I will say. Because essentially, um, okay. I'll just read to you what it says here. When he was asked why this happened at his company, Guillermo found, which Guillermo founded in 1986 with his brothers, he says, we were not organized enough to detect the problems and resolve them. He floated that some problems emerged because of generational differences. The company was running and there was ways things were done. And then there was a new young generation coming into the company with different needs and we had to adapt. I think we didn't adapt fast enough to what people expected and needed. Um, this article is at axios.com if you want to check out the whole thing. Um, he also goes on to note that Ubisoft did not get in the way of the start of a worker union and its Swedish studios. Um, the, he said the most important thing for us is to make sure that communication is as efficient as possible. Um, and I think there was another one that I wanted to... Yeah, uh, the one that I mentioned, he said generational differences were the issue. They didn't adapt fast enough. And he, he mentioned that as a response to why there have been some sexual misconduct allegations. Um, yeah, I think I'm going to stop there because I'm a little over time with this one. But um, uh, just to be fair, no one has accused Guillermo directly of misconduct. He says he felt betrayed in 2020 by those close to him when he heard all of this without naming names, obviously quote, you realize that things happened very close to you that you wouldn't accept. Had you known about them, you're upset by the fact that it could happen and that you didn't see it. Um, yeah. So I'm, I'm going to stop there. You can check out the rest of it at axios.com. We would have a long conversation on it, but we got a lot to get through. Um, so how does this make you feel, Brandon? What do you think about what he said? Um, and their initiative, their, both their diversity initiative and what he said based on this uh, article. 
Yeah, so the initiative are um, to to to, to uh, champion diversity is obviously a noble goal, and like you said, it can only make the games better because that's more uh, opinions from more broader audience that you can get for, and then also better represent the audience that is also playing your games as well. So that can only help. I think it's a good thing, and I think those. I mean, obviously, there's there's some obvious problems with people who hear this and be like, why don't you just make your games better instead? There's obvious problems there when you're on the surface of it. But it's also very short-sighted to say because, like you said, if there's more diversity, then your games are just going to be better naturally, and I truly believe that. Now, regarding the second statement, um, Eve Guillermo's Guillermo, uh, statement on this whole state of affairs, <laughs> uh, unfortunately, I think it's just kind of like playing paints a dark picture of like... Um, society in general like generational is a a very big um factor in how certain people treat each other unfortunately the way people treated each other 30 years ago is not at all how we treat each other today for both better and worse quite frankly because i think there's there's things that the old generation did better there's other things the old generation did worse far worse just to just to give a nice blanket statement on the whole thing so to get so to um I'm not. I, I this, the the easiest way to say is like I'm not really satisfied with his statement. If I'm just being perfectly honest, like I'm glad that a statement is being made, but just to say there's like well generational differences is causing. I'm oversimplifying it, of course, but still it's just <laughs> it's not it's not it's not something you really want to hear. Like there's a lot of things you want to hear when 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 a statement of addressing these kind of things are made, but may not necessarily be that one. <laughs> Exactly. Um, honestly, the second statement of him saying, you know, generational differences and we just didn't catch up makes me feel like they should just not even do the, the five-year initiative. Because um, what always ends up happening is that if you do something like this five-year initiative and you bring people on who are diverse, who are not a part of what is already there at Ubisoft, um, what ends up happening is that those people, those marginalized people do not end up being accepted or they don't get the they don't necessarily get the help that they need or, or the support that they need within Ubisoft because they are othered by those people there and if you can let it happen to uh if you can let the sexual harassment claims and all this other stuff happen to the white people in your company already and claim it on generational <laughs> differences uh I can only imagine what is going to happen oh, to yeah. all the uh POC people that are hired over the next five years who are not going to get the same type of um, insurance or treatment uh, just because they are uh, not white um, and they are they can be considered you know diversity hires by some of the people that are there and it could cause a lot of issues and then if your excuse is just oh you know we we just didn't catch up quick enough look at all these wonderful POC and LGBT that we bought on that are having a horrible time we're just trying to catch up it's just generational differences what can you do but we do want to work them and we want their help and we want their input and we want them to help us be better but we can't be bothered to do anything about it mm-hmm. um, so yeah that's my little tit tat on that um, Toby Fox is going to be replacing the Sakurai Famitsu column yeah that's wild so for, for context for those who didn't know Sakurai has been doing a column on Famitsu since, I want to say, around the time that Melee launched. Like, he was doing it for a long time. And it wasn't, ironically enough, it was around the time that Sora came to Smash, therefore concluding the development of that game, that he also retired from the Famitsu column that he had been doing for almost two decades. Um, So that, of course, left a nice little blank spot in Famitsu's column. And they're choosing Toby Fox, apparently, to replace it with. And that's crazy! 
um, that they're having Toby Fox do it. Like, not crazy in the sense that obviously Toby Fox has proven himself in recent years to be a stellar developer and also a great musician because, you know, he composes the music and he does these Undertale and Deltarune games by himself, basically. So, and the fact that he's able to, like, get such a worldwide phenomenon and now he's doing music for Pokemon, like, like he's earned the spot. It's just crazy that it's realized that it's just crazy that, uh, you know, there's a lot of Japanese developers that could have gotten the, the Femitsu slot. So for them to open their to open it to Toby Fox, who's like, uh, you know, a foreigner to them, I think it's pretty cool. Actually, Jerome, I want to ask you a question. If you could think of like yes. any Japanese developer, who would you have put on the uh, to replace Sakurai on the Famitsu column of all people? No one. You would have just left it open? Yep. Interesting. I don't think I would have replaced him. Um, I'm interested in seeing what kind of stuff that Toby has to say because Toby is a is kind of a bit of a recluse in terms of gaming. He'll come off, tweet about some stuff that he enjoys, go quiet, say, "Hey, Deltarune thing, thing goodbye." Just like, and that's why I wouldn't have replaced him with Toby Fox. Sakurai has a presence, and um, also he is he is an entity. This man. Is a man who like has his own company that he runs single-handedly, but he also uh, 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 outputs work to other companies under Nintendo. Like he's the only person who does what he does in the most amazing way, and there's no one that I can think of that could replace him, especially not Toby Fox because his credentials, you say, are Pokemon music and Deltarune and what was the other one? Undertale. Yeah, that's not, that's not, to me, that's not someone that I would replace. And not say, and that is not me saying that Toby Fox is not great. I know he has a, a ton of huge fans. His games are amazing. His Pokemon music is awesome. I'm always excited to hear music from him because I think he's brilliant. Um, but I don't think that constitutes for him to be taking over from Mitsu Column. And that just leaves me with wondering why Toby Fox. I don't know. Maybe, maybe just maybe, the, maybe the Mitsu audience, I, I, I don't know what, what behind the scenes of them choosing Toby Fox. I'm saying, like when I say they cho- when I when I think of like um, them choosing him, it wasn't even necessarily like um, that he hasn't earned it per se. It's just why him. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, no, that's what I'm saying as well. Yeah. Yeah. But man, um, yeah, maybe the, the famous readers really want liked him and they just wanted to to have him on there. Toby Fox like had, like apparently is like acquaintances with Sakura even like um, they when when they put the Sans me costume in Smash um, a long time ago. He even mentioned that uh, you know Toby Fox made a remix of Megalovania, Megalovania for the Sans costume, and he said they even had some matches with Toby Fox in his house. I'm like, what? <laughs> Apparently they're just bros. I guess that's okay. So uh, I'm gonna move on because we are 20 minutes over. Uh, ten, 10 minutes over the time though. Uh, so. Uh, d- d- um, this is going to transition into the direct, um, which hopefully we have enough time to talk about. Um, uh, 3.45 million units of Splatoon 3 has been sold, making it the biggest launch for a video game in Japan, outdoing Animal Crossing New Horizons by over 700,000 units. The first Splatoon sold 150,000 units the week it came out and went on to sell 1.8 million. Three po- I'm going to repeat that, 3.45 million units. It is bigger than the Animal Crossing New Horizon launch by over 700,000 units. It can't be overstated just how big Splatoon is in Japan. Honestly. That is, like, it's 
it's unfathomable. Just period. For that many amount of units to be sold in Japan is like unfathomable. Um, and, and, and you know, we can look at the the list that I posted, which is uh, the biggest video game launches in Japan. Um, uh, three point forty five million is Splatoon three. 2.68 million is Animal Crossing New Horizons. Number three with uh, 2.63 million is Pokemon Black and White. Uh, and then Final Fantasy uh, 8, Dragon Quest, Monster Hunter, Pokemon, Final Fantasy 7, Pokemon Sword and Shield, Pokemon Legends Arceus, Monster Hunter, Final Fantasy. You see the pattern here is yeah. pretty much Pokemon, Final Fantasy, Monster Hunter, Dragon Quest. Like those four are going to be in the top um, sellers in Japan. The fact that Splatoon 3 came out of nowhere, Splatoon 2 is not even on this list. The fact that Splatoon 3 came out of nowhere and rose to the top of that is uh, pretty amazing. And I can't wait to see how they keep up the momentum because I won't talk about my personal experience with Splatoon 2, although I have been able to play with one friend, which was Nolan, and um, it was a great time, but I, 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 I ended up... I don't know, maybe, Brandon, you can tell me, uh, but I feel like I always have this issue when I join a party in Splatoon. Um, when you play with friends, if it's not a full party, they'll split you. Um, so you might not be on the same team as your friend. And I had that issue with Splatoon 2, and I'm still having it in Splatoon 3, and it's really dumb to me. Um, yeah, I know it happens in 3 occasionally. Like, unless you, like, specifically, like, squad up together, then that will uh, occasionally happen, that you will occasionally... Some matches you'll be on the same team, and sometimes you'll be against each other. That's yeah. Not, that's not something that I personally have an issue with per se but um i know christy's also saying on chat that she hasn't finished she has to finish the single player for splatoon 2 and she hasn't played splatoon 3 at all yet i didn't even play splatoon 2 single player i sound muted on the stream now i can hear you now but it did look like you were muted for a little bit oh that's weird okay well if it sounds good now that's good um, yes, Splatoon 3 is a thing. Uh, anyway, let's move on to the, uh, Nintendo Direct. Um, so I don't, I'm, I'm not gonna have the time to go over everything, so I'm just gonna go ahead and let you talk about the biggest announcements for you and what you thought as, a, uh, 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 what you thought about the presentation as a whole, and then I'll do the same. How's that? <laughs> Hold on, Chrissy said the greatest direct according to Jarrell. I did, and I will. I will explain why it is the greatest direct when it's my turn to talk. It was the best direct ever. Well, right off the bat, um, yeah. If I'm if I'm if we're just talking about the biggest announcements, then of course I have to lead off with not um, just everything that you enjoyed. Yeah. Okay. But it led off with like one of my favorite announcements, which was the new Fire Emblem game. Um, I'm really excited with the way it looks like Fire Fire Emblem Engage. The name has to grow on me a little bit. I will say. Um, I, think, I, I, I think I think the gameplay will justify why it's called that, but when I think about all the cool subtitles we've had in the Fire Emblem series up to this point, um, Engage is like, hmm. But anyway, uh, I'm interested in seeing how they introduce like the uh, past Fire Emblem heroes as like um, mechanics. Like you, f they're doing like some Tokyo Mirage session stuff where you like fusing with the Fire Emblem characters to do like attacks, but then you also get to talk to them. And Christy, of course, brought up something I was going to bring up as well that. <laughs> The characters are, are are being referred to by the fan base as Colgate Chan and Pepsi Coon, or Pepsi Chan and Colgate Chan or Coon, whatever. Um, yeah, no, the, the 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 color. I don't hate the color, the hair color, but I do love the memes that are coming around with it. I'm just interested to see more, and we don't have to wait long. That comes out in four months, so that'll be cool. 
Um, <clears throat> next announcement that really caught my interest was... You know um, what I'll do, actually? I'll just... If there's something that you announce um, that I wanted to talk about, I'll just join you. Okay. If that's okay with you. Yeah, go for it. Um, since fire. you brought up uh, Engage, uh, I'm very disappointed in it. Really? What's a... Uh, yeah. What's uh, so, a... Most people might not know this, but I don't like tactical RPGs very much. They're not really my thing. The only reason that Fire Emblem Three Houses was one of my favorite games of all time was strictly because of the story. And that made me appreciate the tactical uh, RPG moments. Like, I didn't like them before. Now I kind of like them, which is still why I haven't started um, Triangle Strategy. I kind of like them now. However... This story didn't grab me at all. I was like, what is this is I don't care. <laughs> it was a lot of I don't care. So I'm very disappointed that it wasn't like as when I tell you the trailers for Three Houses were so engrossing and having to pick a side and you know even even the other Fire Emblem game that I can't remember that I also played um where you had to choose to to either be uh like which family you were going to pick what's Fates. that game called Fire Emblem Fates Yes Fates Fire Emblem Fates the reason I played that one I was like oh shit the story's intriguing like are you going to go with the family that adopted you or are you going to go with the family that you were born to like holy shit I don't know let's play and find out what what I'm going to choose three houses like what house am i gonna go with only to find out holy shit there's a war like oh my god things are going crazy this is amazing this one oh let's call marth and fuse dope chrissy's mentioning in our chat if there's a remake or remaster for the telly's games that you may enjoy them the story relates to this day is what she says well at least ike will be in this game i'm just <laughs> <laughs> uh that's all i got that's at least got. ike will be in there <laughs> Ike, Ike and Micaiah of the Tellius games and and, Sig and Sigur, I guess yeah I, I guess I, I guess we'll see more the story the story the story is uh <laughs> it's like you said Jarrell like the last few fire fates and three houses specifically were very much like um gray in terms of his storylines and like there's the, the yeah. like, different perspectives which you going on. this definitely like for better or for worse definitely seems to be going towards the more traditional there is a clear threat here that must be stopped. I'm sure there'll be some nice nuance in the middle of the story, but as far as like the grand story itself, it's a I I, I can't disagree. It does seem like you know here's the Just, dark here's the dark dragon that must be slain. Yeah, here's protagonist with the with the sacred sword chosen by the 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 fate to destroy them. Yeah, years. one of the things I didn't like about Dragon Quest Nine or Eleven, excuse me, was that it was just so rote basic jrpg like you know exactly what's going to happen and i feel like engage is looking like it's going to be the same thing um I, you know i'm actually just going to go ahead and, and list some things here and then if there's a game that i don't mention that you, then you can bring it up if that's if sure. that's okay yeah, go some um so they're not going to be in order so um i'm just going to go in order of what i have here which next is pikmin 4 okay yeah i'll talk a little about that after you I have nothing to say about Pikmin 4, so go oh, ahead. Oh, sure, for... <laughs> um, I just want to mention this real quick because the the I will say, like, this, I've been talking, I know we're going to talk about the direct overall in a little bit. I just want to say that overall, I think it was paced pretty well. I have more to say about the content, but the, the pacing was overall good. Until Miyamoto came on. I love Miyamoto dearly, but then he came on and talked about Pikmin Bloom, this game that's been out for a year oh. already for like five minutes. <laughs> And even as someone that to this day still plays Pikmin Bloom because I walk a lot, naturally, so I play it because it's just a nice little walking companion. Even I didn't want to hear this. 
I was just like, bro, I already play this just because I walk. I don't want to hear about any more of this. Especially since he wasn't announcing anything new for the game. He was just giving an overview because he said, hey, if Miyamoto advertises Pikmin Bloom, maybe people will actually listen. But people were too busy waiting for Pikmin 4. Which, hey, that's what got announced afterwards. Um, glad that that game actually still exists because people were memeing <laughs> that, uh, hey, it's the nine-year anniversary or whatever of Miyamoto saying Pikmin 4 is almost done. And so for him to just kind of just be like, hey, here it is. Coming it's out here, next yeah. Yeah. Um, friend, of, friend, right. friend of HB Critical, Brandon of uh, Dragon Ball Speak, is a huge Pikmin fan, and he's definitely excited for it. Um, I had to catch up on the Pikmin series. I like what I've played. So, yeah, cool. All right. Uh, so next up was Kirby's Return to Dreamland Deluxe. Yeah. I have nothing to say about this one either, but if you do have something, go ahead. But I, make I, it quick. I, I do. Um... I enjoyed the Wii game a lot, but I never finished it, so this would be my chance to. I like the art style that they're going with, where it has this kind of like... You, do you remember, Jorah, when you and I played uh, Kirby's Dream Land 3, where it had like that crayon art style? It's a nice little mix of that. It has like a little mix of like the original style, but also like this like hand-drawn style. It's not really hand-drawn, but like over it and a few new features. No, I'll definitely look forward to it. It sucked. It didn't... I don't think there's going to be online play, and that's... But it looks fun nonetheless. Well, um, I'm just going to keep sounding like a Nintendo hater. I literally don't care about Kirby's Return to Dreamland. I'm happy it's coming back for people. I just, I was like, what is going on? Like, I don't know. It, I don't know. Uh, but I'm very happy that it's coming back for people that didn't get a chance to play it. Um, and it's, it. it's, it looks really cute, but it just is not my... I just think mm-hmm. that's coming out in February before other games that we're going to be talking about. Yeah, so let's move on to the biggest and best announcement of the Direct that no one can disagree with me with because it's just facts. And that was Octopath Traveler 2, which was announced with new heroes! Same HD 2D art style, and it looks so freaking amazing, and I'm so excited to play oh it. Um, I already have complaints, but I also am already just, just I'm taking the day off. I'm I'm playing Octopath all day. Anyone who knows me knows I love the original Octopath, and this one I'm super, super excited to, to have. Um, go ahead. I'm just so happy by the way it looks, because it's, of course it's like the first one, it's the HD 2D style. But they've learned so much. They have learned so much. Like, between Triangle Strategy and especially Live Alive, which looks incredible in the HD2D style, like, this just somehow looks even better with that with that art style. So I'm just excited for how it's going to look. Now, Drew, I know we're kind of going through this quick, but I but I, I need to ask you. Um, obviously, I, and this is, and I want to tell this both to you and everyone who's listening to the podcast, that how you answer this is not set in stone, because obviously they have a lot of advertisement to do with this game. But based on just this trailer... Who do you th- who do you think you're gonna start with? Oh, I don't. This is uh, I don't. I can't say. <laughs> like, I have. I will say that I already have my party picked out because okay. I always, you know, I was just talking about how much I love story, um, and I've I already know that there are some stories of characters that I'm going to 100% want to experience. Um, so I can tell you, Hikari, Oswald, Throne, and Casti are the four that I'm like, oh my god, I really, really want to play them. Um, what I do appreciate about this game, which I also don't like, I appreciate it, but I don't like it, is that um, they seem to kind of switch the personalities around this time around. So, um, you know, you had like Ulbrich, the, the you know, the, the big warrior like type dude is now, uh, that, that type of personality is kind of seen on the... Um, on the scholar this time around yes. um and uh the 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 primrose 
uh, the Primrose as a dancer, you know, her backstory was really dark and things were really hard for her. And now that 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 whole persona is on the thief now. Um, and the dancer this time around is just the the Tressa Happy Go Lucky vibe. And I was like, mm, this is really interesting, but also rip because I hated Tressa, but I love dancer. It's like one of my favorite classes. And so the dancer is not on my list this time. Um, and I was like, dang, I don't know if I'm going to care. But also, you know, the mechanics of being able to have different day and night cycles change your uh, your actions or give you different actions based on day and night. That's super awesome. A lot of people complained about not being able to have the story intertwined. So they're like, here, the stories are going to intertwine this time. They basically addressed all the issues I think that haters had um, while also just making the game better. And um, I can't wait to play this on the OLED. I'm, I'm so ready to spend so many hours. Also, it's finally I, I i keep waiting for traditional turn-based rpgs name another one for me yeah there's not there's not a whole like <laughs> this is all i've got and that's another reason why i love octopath traveler because it is it's like it, in this modern day and age um we have very few turn-based you know persona and octopath are the two that are just on the top of my head we have very few so seeing more get done come out be better is awesome did you have anything else on uh, octopath Yes. Um, also, who are you starting with? Oh, I, I'm be, <laughs> I'm most likely gonna start with Oswald because just to, because I love the scholarly type characters in general, but also his story just from that little snippet. It was trailer, so it's deep. so gripping. Like he's got like yeah. like he's got, like he seems to be, he got framed for killing his wife and and kids. I'm like whoa, hold up, this is right? way different, than Cyrus. Even though I love Cyrus, but like I want to know how this story goes. So I pro- I'm probably gonna start with Oswald. Him, that's also him my or the issue. merchant whose name I can't remember now, just because I like the merchant design. But <laughs> that's also my issue with Octopath. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I cut you off. But that's also my issue with Octopath, which is like some of these stories. Like I don't know if you saw the 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 uh, thief, but like she was getting whipped and slapped in the face in a certain section, and I was like, holy mm. shit! Like what the fuck is going on? Um, but then like. So- <sighs> I had the same issue with the original Octopath, which is that some of these stories literally are just so uh, throwaway compared to others. And so the merchant, he was just like, I don't want there to be debt in the world. And then you've got Oswald, who's like, I've been framed for the murder of my family. And it's like, that's why I'm so excited, because we got glimpses of that with the party banter and Octopath one. But now they're mm-hmm. actually going to be related into their story. So we seem like like dialogue. I just can't wait for <laughs> And you know the meme where, like, Batman is saying, this is where my parents died, Raphael, and the Raphael the turtle is like, totally, dude. Just like, yep. the, just like the total yep. dissonance. That, like, I'm just waiting for Oswald to say something super dramatic and the merchant to be like, oh, sick. Or even Agnia the dancer to say something. Oh, it's going to be, it's going to be great. By the way, um, I'm also happy that this new game is, um, you know, it's, it's set in a new world. It's not Orstera, which I'm, I'm fine with. Like, you know, we're exploring Orstera again in the mobile game, which is fine. But this is going to be like a new world, more steampunky. There's definitely, there's like trains. Like, it's it's the same classes, but like different. I'm just so excited. It's like, it's going to be, yeah. I don't have too much more to say. We can move on. I'm just ready to start that too. I can't wait for the too. demo, the inevitable demo. I need it. Next up was a Bayonetta three. We got a new trailer, uh, and um, I've seen some of the. Have I seen them? Have I seen them? Okay, never mind. I'm not gonna say that. Bayonetta three was the next on the list. Yeah, and it looks really good, <laughs> and it looks so fun. Oh no, I can't say that. Okay, yeah, I can't say that. So I've seen some of the. Um, I've seen some of the. Uh, 
previews and gameplay previews from the game and everyone seems to be so excited and love this game so much oh one more thing about octopath that i i forgot to mention is that it is coming not only to switch but also pc via steam ps5 and ps4 um which is the first time that you can play an octopath game on the playstation because once octopath traveler yeah, Octopath Traveler is still not available on PlayStation. So if you want to get this game for the Steam Deck or if you want to get it for the PlayStation, it's like it's coming out for those as well. Um, but, and and I'm assuming inevitably Game Pass at some point in the future, unless unless we don't know, unless there's some contract where PlayStation was like, "Fuck you guys, you got the original, we're getting the sequel." Who knows? Because it is. Uh, well, no, I guess if it's on. No, I guess if it's uh, on PC via Steam, maybe. Maybe it's a console exclusive to just Switch and P. Who knows? Whatever. It's coming to other other systems. Is what I was saying. Yeah, Bayonetta three looks amazing. I didn't finish one. I didn't play two. I am playing three day one. I don't care. Uh, yeah, I don't have too much more to add to it. I've played a decent amount of one, and I played the demo of two on the Wii U. Um, two definitely feels way better than one. So my struggle is like I need to I want to finish one story because one's okay it's an alright game but two just feels immaculate so I know three yeah. is just gonna feel even better that's just kind of where I'm at at the moment so I'll get if you haven't you should check out some of the game if you haven't you should check out some of the gameplay previews um on YouTube and uh, through articles they've been really really good everyone's okay. been praising it oh, yeah. really I'm sure I actually don't do it don't do it okay, just don't get your hopes up just. <laughs> Let's play the game. Uh, Final Fantasy Theater Rhythm, Final Bar. Yeah! I loved Theater Rhythm on the 3DS. I played it to completion so many times. Uh, this one is finally coming um, since the 3DS. We haven't had another one since the 3DS. This was a huge shocker. 385 songs. Uh, two players play cl- uh, locally via co-op. Four players play online together. Uh, there's a season pass that's going to add up to 90 games. Uh, we're getting things from Nier, Octopath Traveler, Live Alive, and Christy informed me, which I didn't know, that we're also getting songs from um, The World Ends With You. Mm-hmm. So there are a ton of Square Enix DLC titles that are going to be DLC, um, uh, uh, Square Enix titles that are going to be DLC for Final Fantasy Theater Rhythm uh, that I'm going to buy, and I expect to be able to play a uh, four-player online co-op with my friends on the podcast and it's going to be a great fucking time. Um, it's it's. I'm just super super excited to have another theater rhythm. I, like this 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 direct was literally like what JRPG things does Jarrell want? I will give them to him. Yeah, I, I will say that. Oh, and it's coming February. February. Sorry, it's coming February 16th. So yeah. also not too far away. February is definitely a packed month. It's just, mm-hmm. it's, it's a good thing that this is like one of those games that you like. You do a quick song or two, and then you play something else. Like you don't have to like. You can put a lot of time into it and set in big settings if you want to, but you can also play it in short bursts too, which is what I like about it. That's how I played Kingdom Hearts Melody Memory, another rhythm game from Square Enix that was on the system. And I'm assuming it's going to play similar to how Melody Memory did, because obviously uh, Theater Rhythm was originally on the 3DS, so you used your touchscreen a lot to like play the notes, but I'm assuming it's going to translate more to how the buttons did, how they did it for Kingdom Hearts is my, is my assumption. I'm sure it's going to play fine. I'm not really too worried about it. But I'm looking forward to finally diving into it because I've never owned Theater Rhythm. I've like played, I've played it, like I've borrowed it and played it like here and there. But at the time, I was like, oh, there's a lot of these songs I don't know because this was like way early in the 3DS life cycle when the first one came out. So there's a lot of Final Fantasy gaps in that I had. So I was like, well, I'll play the songs I know, like ten, a little bit of seven, and then I'll, I'll call it a day. Now, like, I, there's a lot more songs that I recognize. 
So I mm-hmm. feel like I could appreciate this game a lot more. And the fact that the DLCs, including other Square Enix games, doesn't hurt either. Like, I'm obviously going to know the, some of the Nier songs now. I'm going to know some of the Octopath and Bravely Default songs and The World Ends With You. So that's that alone is very enticing to me. Yes, I'm, yes. I'm, I am more than likely going to shell out for that deluxe edition that has all those bonus songs. So I want it all. I mean, I mean, it's a very weird moment because of Final Fantasy fourteen, where a Final Fantasy song will come on, and I'll be like, "Oh my god, I know that song," and I have no idea what game it's from because I've heard <laughs> the song through Final Fantasy fourteen, and then I, I've I've started you know associating them with uh, the games. I think I just have to play one through six at this point because I played everything else now. Um, and I, I was going to pull a Brandon and pull out my copy of uh, Theater Rhythm, but it's too far away. I know, you always have your you don't, you don't, You don't, you don't need to. You never need to it's grab it again. You just got to wait till February and you just play this. I got to wait till February, exactly. Uh, so, right <laughs> GoldenEye 007 is coming with online play for the first time ever on Switch. Uh, Mario Party and Pokemon Stadium. And uh, uh, was there another one? Yeah, there's a few that got. Oh yeah, snowboarding, Excite Bike, Mario Party One, Two, and Three, uh, Pokemon Stadium One and Two, and all coming to Nintendo Switch Online. There's one more. Oh, Pilot Wing Sixty Four as well. That's the other one. Okay. Yeah, um, uh, I'm excited. There's all of those games. I'm excited to play. Honestly, Mario Party especially. Like I'm a huge Mario Party fiend, but Three is my favorite game in the entire series. So to have that online is like a like I popped off when we did our react stream with Grayson. Like Three in particularly, that that it was. I'm just so excited for Three. Um, but no, I'm excited to try Pilot Wings, Excite Bike. I've never tried those games before. 1080 snowboarding is fun. Uh, Pokemon Stadium One and Two. I mean. You're not going to have the connectivity with the Game Boy games, unfortunately, but at least you can play the mini games and the rental Pokemon modes if you want to do that. Um, but yeah, GoldenEye is a big deal. I've never owned GoldenEye myself, but I played it with a good friend back in New York. Having that online is going to be good. Now, obviously, for those who've been, who follow our Twitch streams and know that I do the Doesn't Hold Up series, I dare say that GoldenEye 007 is probably going to be the most, is of all the of all the N64 games we're doing, is the one I'm most intrigued to see if it holds up. Because obviously, GoldenEye 007 is a very important video game for what it did to uh, the first-person shooter genre. And while its historical significance cannot be denied, my biggest my biggest question is if it's still fun to play today. And that's, uh, you know, look forward to when that episode eventually comes out because it's going to be very, very interesting. But either way, even if, even if it's, it's not the best, the fact that game, the, the, the quote, the first person shooter for a lot of first, first person shooter for a lot of people finally having online play is a cool thing either way. Um, so some other things I'm just going to mention here are, uh, we got the Wave 3 announcement for Mario Kart 8, we got, uh, the free golf update for Nintendo Switch Sports, we got, uh, Diddy Kong and Paulina coming to Mario Strikers Battle League, uh, Xenoblade Chronicles 3 is getting Wave 2 of its DLC, uh, the first Splatfest was announced, which is going to be, uh, Gear Grub or Fun, and, uh, Resident Evil, a bunch of Resident Evils are coming to the Switch via cloud gaming which is going to be trash um or maybe it's going to be good uh we got a bunch of life sims harvest moon uh a wonderful life is getting a remake as story of so seasons a wonderful games. life uh <laughs> fae farm is an rpg that's coming 
Harvestella Harvestella got a demo that's out. You found we found out that you could uh, be non-binary in Harvestella, which was awesome. Fatal Frame, Mask of the Lunar Eclipse is coming to the West for the first time. Tunic Adventures is coming to Switch. Now it's going to be on everything. It Takes Two is also coming to Switch. Seafood's coming to Switch. Front Mission 1 Remake and Front Mission 2 Remakes got announced. Uh, Atelier Rizia 3, Alchemist at the End and the Secret Key is coming to Switch. Tales of Symphonia Remastered is coming to Switch. Uh, Danganronpa creators announced a game uh, called Rain Code, Master Detective Archives Rain Code. Um, SpongeBob SquarePants, The Cosmic Shake, Rune Factory 3, Various Daylife, Radiant Silver Gun, um, a ton of other games. I'm not going to go through all of them. Um, is there any? Uh, Just Dance. Oh, I got to mention Just Dance and Fitness Boxing. Um, uh, Endless Dungeon. Um, uh, Oddballers. I, you, honestly, I think I just like mentioned most of them anyway. Are, is, is there any in there that you want to... Ooh, we're probably not going to be able to go through the PlayStation one today. We might have to save that until next week. Um, but is there any in there that you want to talk about? I do want to talk about the Danganronpa one really quickly, but were there any that I mentioned that you want to bring up? I'll talk about that one with you as well when you get into it, but Tales of Symphonia Remastered coming to Switch is, 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 is cool. I played the GameCube one, but I never owned it, so I'm looking forward to actually getting some actual time with it. Um, other than that, yeah, just a lot of different games that I might grab, but uh, that's, that's, <laughs> yeah. that's the, I guess Tales, I guess of the, of the ones you mentioned, Tales is the main one. I was curious about Various Daylight, but I want a demo of that because... I was yeah. like, oh, that looks cool, but I don't know much about it. And the trailer told me nothing. So I went to see if there's demo. There wasn't. And that game is like 30 bucks. So I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to wait. <laughs> I'm busy with a lot of games anyway. Yeah. Only thing I'll mention there is um, I don't want to go into any of the other details because I still want to talk about the, the presentation as a whole. And we still got Zelda. Uh, but um, the only thing I want to talk about is Splatoon 3. I, I am already disappointed with the first choice gear grub or fun that you're gonna take it's what you would take to an island and i was like eh. i i low-key prefer two because if i'm not mistaken i haven't played splatoon like with friends in a long time if i'm not mistaken we all have to go to the same team to be able to play together right and get the same color so now splitting us up into threes is like i'm like oh no this is probably gonna be worse than it was when we were twos and i'm already underwhelmed with this first one gear grub or fun but it is what it is um yeah, a lot of that stuff that was coming was nice. Uh, and the, the big standout to me also uh, was obviously the uh, from the Danganronpa creators, uh, the Master Detective Archives Rain Code, uh, because it is not set in the Danganronpa universe. It is a brand new IP um, where you play as a detective solving crimes. Uh, I love Danganronpa. I played all three. I know you also love Danganronpa, and I've also played all three. I finally caught up with you. Um I, I was kind of disappointed that it wasn't in the same... First of all, the game looks great. Mm-hmm. It looks so much better than V3 did. And V3 looks good. Like, you can yes. see the progression of how, how how they've, like, worked on the graphics and the game as a whole. This game looks really, really good. Like, it is leagues above the last the last Danganronpa in the series. So that was already exciting. I'm not so sold on the gameplay yet. Um, because it looks like we're going to be doing... So one of the things that I hated <laughs> in Danganronpa was, like, slashing through the words <laughs> the right way. Uh. It was my least favorite thing to do. And that was, like, one of the biggest things that they showed off was, like, slashing through the truth. And I was like, mm, I don't know how the gameplay is going to be comparatively. And I'm not sure I'm sold on it, but I will be playing it. Yeah, the big thing. What do you think? 
Yeah, big same, especially since I actually did like slashing through the forest. I hated it. Oh that, my god, that was one of my favorite mechanics that they added for Danganronpa Two specifically. Like, because obviously the game is always revolved around shooting the truth, basically, mm-hmm. and then they added slashing with two, and then more mechanics three. There, the, the minor tangent V three. They added like this the, this thing called scrum debate, where it was like the half of the class mm-hmm. against the other half of the class. That was such. I a like mechanic. that. That was such yeah. a cool mechanic, but they barely used it. Because, I know. I, uh, I like that one. I really wish they used that more. Um, if there's anything equivalent like that in this new game, I'll take it. Cause but that so that's cool. the weird part. Like we're, It looks like we're playing as a single individual, so we're Correct. not yeah. going to have... And that's kind of where I'm like, mm, I wish that I had... Because one of the things I loved about Danganronpa is solving all the cases from the characters that you know, right? It was those connections that you made with these students that, like, once they died, you really felt the impact. And so this, so far, just seems to be a detective solving random crimes. So I feel like it's not going to have that same pull that Danganronpa did have. Um, And then we don't get a lot of the cool things like you mentioned, which was, you know, being able to talk to all the students, get to know them, do different things like the scrum battles, um, and see their deaths and really make an impact on it. So I'm, I'm, I'm excited. I'm cautiously excited. Yeah, honestly, excited I just wish it was a new. I just wish it was a new Tangerine of a game, Loki. <laughs> like, just make I'm another not, one. I'm not, I'm not gonna lie. I kind of wish it was too. But, <laughs> but, but, but but I do also want them to try new things too. Try so. something new, yeah. So uh, we'll, we'll see how it goes. I just give it. Would, put it just put it in a time both. that's not too crowded, please. Because say what I said. Just put, don't put it in the first half of the year because I need some space. Oh, did a, did they have a release date for it? They did. Spring 2023. Spring. Okay. Be careful where you put it in spring. Just that's all I ask. Be careful. Um, I'm also excited for Harvestella, but that's all I'm going to say on that. I'm just excited for it. I haven't played the demo yet. haven't had time, but definitely want to get into that one. So there are two more that I want to mention, and then we have to talk about the direct as a whole. Um, the first one is Crisis Core Final Fantasy VII Reunion, oh, yeah. coming December 13th at the end of this year. Uh, ch- stay tuned to HB Critical. Christy's going to be covering that one for us. Um, very, very excited for it. Um, it'll be officially announced on, uh, uh, released excuse me, on Switch uh, and other platforms. I think it's coming everywhere on December 13th. It looks yes. really, really great. I'm super excited for that one. I did not have the pleasure of playing the original Crisis Core, so I am very, very excited to be able to get into all that Crisis Core is. I played through the original FF7 like two years ago or something. I don't need to go on this tangent. I'm very excited for um, Crisis Core. On this, I, th- I think because of the graphics, I'm going to be getting it on Switch just because the graphics are not on par with Final Fantasy VII Remake, but they look really good. And the OLED Switch, I'm uh, blessed enough to have. I think I might be getting it on Switch. Brandon, what console are you getting this game on? Dude, I'm glad you asked me that and also hate that you asked me that because I actually don't know <laughs> yet. Because, like, I talked to this with Grayson on the, the, on the reaction stream, like, I know it's going to look really good on the PlayStation, so I'm tempted to get that one. But this was originally a handheld game, and I feel like I would want to play it on the go. I think I, I think if it doesn't look much worse than the PlayStation version, I'll eat the difference, because I do want to play this, be able to play this whenever. Because, um, frankly, I just play my Switch more than my PlayStation these days anyway, just because of how my lifestyle is these days. Um, but... Like if it's a big difference, then I'm just gonna do it on PlayStation. But I, but I really want to be able to take it on the go. Uh, real quick, Christy says I'm just gonna cry my heart out with Crisis Core. And one Kyle, aka Ninja Hippie Pirate, says I'm super excited to see all of you. We're excited to see you. Thanks for coming. Hey. <laughs> um. So I'm undecided to answer your question. There's a there's a non-zero chance I may double dip, but I really don't want to. I want to pick a version. 
Uh, I'm not double dipping. Life is hard. Uh, but I I will say it does not look as good. I feel like I'm making it sound like it looks amazing. It looks good, but it does not look amazing. And that is what is making me probably go with a Switch just because OLED screen on the go is really, really nice. Excuse me, really nice. Or maybe Steam Deck. Who knows? Nah, nah. I know. It's probably going to be Switch. Uh, so finally... Um, uh, the Legend of Zelda, the sequence of Breath of the Wild, uh, The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom was announced. Uh, there was not a lot here. Um, uh, however, if you go online anywhere, you will probably not believe me. But, like, because it's like everyone's making a lot of everything. There wasn't too much here. Um, I know you and Gabe had an entire conversation. He's not here, so I'm not going to even bring up the lore dumping and issues or anything. Uh, but we finally got a title for it and a release date, and it looks damn good. May 12th, 2023. Um, and, uh, and now I just need to finish Breath of the Wild. It really made me want to go finish Breath of the Wild, so I'm, I'm pretty excited. Uh, what do you what did you think of uh, Tears of the Kingdom? I'm, I'm very happy that we finally got the, uh, the title of this game because... People were just like going behind the scenes, just like like what is this title? They said it's gonna spoil. By the way, I don't think Tears of the Kingdom really spoils anything. I can't figure like I can't figure out what the plot of this game is gonna be by Tears of the Kingdom. I can speculate. Me and Gabe did our share of that. I'm not gonna get into that, but again, we don't know. So I don't think I don't know. Maybe it's more the logo that got them, but I like the title. Um, I'm glad that we have a release date. So I can know a day to put down for it because I'm taking that whole day off because I'm playing. I'm just that day is just for playing Tears of the Kingdom and nothing else, and just uh, and just doing it. No, it, it wasn't a real long trailer. I, we saw a little more. The world just really seems really big. Looking at this trailer, as brief as it was, does give me a better sense of why it's taking so long to make this game because they're not just doing the yeah. They're not just doing the Breath of the Wild map again and adding a few new things and calling it a day. There's like an entire huge. There's like an entire world above what they've already made. And as Gabe pointed out, it does. It, it's not a huge difference in graphics style, but it does look slightly better because now it's actually being developed for the Switch as opposed to the Wii U, like the first one was. Mm -hmm. So no, no, it's it's uh, <laughs> They may have intended it to be a quick sequel, but it's definitely more ambitious than it than uh, initial thoughts may have implied it to be. Um, very excited for this game. Uh, yeah, short trailer. It sure looks huge. It does look like a big world. Like that's that's a game that I want to dedicate the month of May to that game. Basically, like I'm that I'm dedicating not only that one day that it comes out, but the month of May. I don't care what I'm playing. It's getting dropped when when Tears of the Kingdom comes <laughs> out. Like the the only thing that may stay in my hand is if 16 also comes out that month, and I hope it doesn't. Final Fantasy 16, that is. But uh, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna still be playing Pokemon, probably. I better be uh, done Pokemon by then. That's May. <laughs> I better be. If not, I'm I will still be. be doing Pokemon battles. Um, yeah. So um, I had some news also today that I w I just I'm just gonna mention now. Maybe we'll talk about it next week. Uh, but Yakuza Eight was officially announced. Y'all know I love Yakuza like a dragon, so I was super yeah. super excited for Yakuza Eight. And uh, the Sims is going. The Sims Four is going free to play in October, so that'll be fun. Um, and finally. Let's talk about the direct as a whole. Maybe we'll bring those up next week. Let's talk about the direct as a whole. Brandon, mm -hmm. how did you feel about the Nintendo Direct for uh, September 2022? Uh, yes. Uh, before I read that, Kyle's saying he he uh, he's saying for Zelda they didn't need to show much. They gave us a date, and that's all we need for now. Yeah, I think so. I, I think having a day for now is good. They have plenty of time to show us more stuff. 
I'm sure. No, I completely agree with them. I'm sure closer to time they'll have a Zelda Focus Direct. Like I have no doubt of that. They don't, don't do it. If it, if, it, if it, like what's this nine months still before the game comes out, they have time, so I'm not worried about it. Anyway, yeah, to answer your question, the direct as a whole, um, pacing wise, it was. Very oh, wait, good. At first I have to say that I hope that they don't do it. I hope that they. I I think one of the best parts about Breath of the Wild was just that it was. So open and so freeing and they didn't tell you what to do um and i hope that they really restrain themselves i hope they pull a pokemon and they really restrain themselves on what they do show off and let people discover because people are still discovering things from breath of the wild i really hope they let people discover on their own what the game's about okay go ahead you know what i suddenly changed my mind now that you said that i instead of <laughs> instead of instead of a zelda direct per se I'd rather they do a treehouse. And the reason why I say that, the reason why I say that is because in the E3 where they got the reveal name of Breath of the Wild, um, all they did was show gameplay of them in the Great Plateau, which when you, if you mm-hmm. play Breath of the Wild, that's nothing. That's just the Great yeah. Plateau. It, and that gives you a sense of the gameplay. You get to see how much openness you can do. You get to see a few shrines. But that doesn't show you anything of the game. So I exactly. think so if they do that for uh, Tears of the Kingdom, a treehouse just kind of doing that, showing up exactly. you know, I, I think I'd rather have that. They'll probably still direct anyway, but I think I'd rather just do a treehouse. Anyway, yeah, direct. Um, yeah, so pacing-wise, I think the direct was very good. As far as the content, now there's a lot of stuff in that direct that I think appealed to you and I a lot. Like there's a lot that we got very excited about. Um, but there's also a lot of stuff that I don't think, um, there's a lot of, for example, there's a lot of farming games on this direct, for example. And if you're not into farming games, then there's a lot of this direct that's just like, you just kind of like, oh, okay. And also if you're not into, um, if that between this and the state of play, which we're going to talk about next podcast, there was definitely a large focus on like Japanese made games, which seems appropriate since Tokyo game show is coming up again, big appeal to us. I just feel like if there's someone who's like not as open to like farming games or Japanese games, they're gonna come out of this direct feeling like it was bad. I've already seen people say this was not a good direct, or seen people that saying this is a mediocre direct. I disagree personally because I was pretty excited with most of what I've seen, but I think if we're talking about variety of, of stuff, maybe the variety wasn't as good, even if the pacing was good. Please. But I I love this direct. Like if you ask me my personal opinion, it was a fantastic direct, one of my favorites. Cause I cause because there was a start off great with Fire Emblem, powerful middle with Octopath Traveler two. They knew that was like one of their biggest sellers on Switch when it was a Switch exclusive, and then they ended strong with Zelda. Oh, and they threw in, and you know Kirby anniversary threw in some Kirby stuff like a little stuff like NSO. Like there's a lot of I think there was a lot of big announcements there. DLC on games that are already coming uh, already out. Like, I I think there's very little there that was bad, personally. I completely disagree with you on the no variety. Just because I think people people are getting hung up on the fact that there were a lot of farming sims, which there were, but Pikmin 4 is nothing like fitness boxing, which is nothing like Just Dance, which is nothing like Bayonetta 3, which is nothing like the new Danganronpa game, our, our spiritual successor of Danganronpa, um, which is not going to be like the Spongebob game, which is nothing like Pokemon Stadium, which is nothing like 007, like, and I can continue, which is not like Octopath, which is not a tactical RPG like, like, uh, uh, a fire emblem uh which is nothing like fatal frame 
Like, like all of those things are very, very different, distinct genres. Yeah. And uh, even if it's cloud version, no, like the closest Fatal Frame is going to be uh, compared to is Resident Evil. And like, you cannot compare Resident Evil and Splatoon 3 and Xenoblade Chronicles or any of those with like a sports game like Mario Strikers. Um, and then they threw in Final Fantasy. Like, <laughs> like it's, yeah. it's re- there was a lot of variety. Yes, there were a lot of uh, uh, farming simulators, but there was also Kirby. Like, <laughs> that's yeah. like, yeah. yeah you're, right. You're, you're right. right. You're right. I think there there's a lot of variety. Are, I think a lot of people are getting hung up by, they see a lot of things and they assume that, and they, by hyperbole, they assume that's the whole direct. You're right. No, there's a good yeah. amount of variety of other stuff too. Um, which I loved, because uh, I do think that this was, first of all, I love that the direct was 40 minutes, because I think it gave people enough time to find something they would have enjoyed from the direct, and I think this direct, one of the reasons it's one of my favorites is because even though I didn't like everything in there, I feel like there was, first of all, theater rhythm is another one that's nothing, like, it's a different genre as well, um, but, uh, I think that there was at least something or at least I would say at least two things that everybody can come from and enjoy, right? Like even if you don't like farming simulators, maybe it's going to be Bayonetta 3 and um uh what's what's another action game that they announced? Or maybe it's Bayonetta 3 and and uh Resident Evil coming to Switch. Maybe those are the two for you, right? Maybe it's two farming games for you. Maybe it's tactical games, so maybe it's Fire Emblem and Octopath for you. Uh maybe it's uh Theater Rhythm and Just Dance. I feel like there was such a great variety that anyone who says the direct is bad is trying to say it's bad at this point because because this direct was so vastly uh, different in a, in, in a form of being able to show off so many different games. Like, you, th- you, there was something for everybody. I think this is a, truly a direct where I feel like I can confidently say that there was something for everybody. There have been directs where I don't feel that way. This one, I do feel like, yeah, there was something for everybody. And that's despite me liking a lot of it myself. Like, I think that if you looked hard, you can just go play, at this point, like, just go play 007 online for the nostalgia that's that's still worth something the nostalgia factor was huge for everything coming to n64 later on um you were talking about how excited you were for uh mario party uh one two and three right like there was definitely something for everyone but the biggest and best thing about this direct which is what i love when they do this for directs is when they mention that uh demos are out now games are out now and all of these games uh almost all of them have release dates within the next five months yes and that was very good like when they said it was focused on like games mostly in winter 2023 they mostly meant that like it is a lot of games that are coming out at the the end of the year and then like early next year which when you think about it if you talk about the first three or so months of 2024. I mean, that's still technically the holiday season of that year because it's, it's still winter. So, you know. Yeah, and, and I've, I always say that's, that is one of my favorite things that Nintendo does is they hold on to their games until they're almost ready. They it's, tell us about them, they it, give us a demo, and then we can play them. It's wild uh, to me that they've been sitting on a Fire Emblem for so long that it's coming out in only four months. Like Exactly. <laughs> like, that's crazy. Three houses for context... It was announced that a new Switch Fire Emblem game was coming out in 2017. We got our first trailer for the actual game in 2018, and then in 2019 it came out. So that was announced two years ahead of time. We got this game announced, and it's coming out in four months. That's great. 
Yeah, um, I, I could, you know, I could go down the list, but even uh, Octopath is in the next five months. That's something we didn't know they were working on. Nobody knew, you know, like what's next for Octopath. That game comes out in like the next five months. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, and, and, and you compare this with something like the uh, Xbox, uh, the recent Xbox presentation where the next games aren't coming out for like two years. Um, and and it's why I am very excited and it's why I love directs because uh, those developers on these directs are very uh, very open to providing demos as well so if a game is not coming out they do want your feedback they want you to try it they want to know how it works um, which is always a good thing lots of updates for DLC for games that we also already own that we're still playing including things like Splatoon Um, so that's another good one Um, Splatfest is coming up in two weeks, I think, or a week or two weeks. Uh, two um, weeks. So, oh, a week, actually. Uh, Splatfest in a week? So, like, <laughs> it, while you wait for all these games, enjoy the Splatfest. Um, and yeah, a lot of these just coming out so so quickly is another reason that I really, really love watching directs and why I, this one was just so, so good. Because if there's something here you want, you don't have to wait too long to play it. Yeah. I think overall, it was just really, really wonderful presentation i was so excited i wanted to watch it twice but i was too busy to watch it twice so i skipped to the parts that i really enjoyed um <laughs> and then we just keep seeing more stuff coming out from it and like more videos coming out i i posted the you know the four minute video of uh of octopath traveler 2 i don't know if you got a chance to see it um yeah. but it was going over the warrior and uh the dancer uh it was all in japanese of course but it was going over the warrior and the dancer and i was like oh my gosh there's even more content like and then you were also just mentioning right before the the podcast about um, the YouTube video for what was it that Theater goes into there we go Theater Rhythm another one that has even more information already out there people are just uh, you just gotta go find it it's like waiting for you there's so much ready for us and I'm just so so excited this really truly felt like you know the E3 presentation from Nintendo and now I just want to play Pokemon I'm just gonna play Pokemon until then and then I'm just gonna go play all these games there's too many games there's too many games there really is too many games there's too many games I don't have enough time I, I want to go play things right now I, I, I want to finish Breath of the Wild you should you should I went from hating that game to loving it and now I just need to finish it so that I can uh, uh, can be ready for uh, Tears of the Kingdom I'm excited for you to uh, tell me your thoughts of Breath of the Wild once you have uh, finished it I mean, I've loved it so far. I only have one more Divine Beast. Okay. You also got to finish the second. You don't have to do the first DLC of Breath of the Wild because that's just really hard trial stuff with no story. But the second DLC, you should because there's more story there that you should see. It's worth it. It's worth it. There's some cool stuff stuff in the second DLC pack. So there's that too. All right, so we have five minutes left, Brandon. Mm -hmm. Um, I'll do a quick what have you been playing? Oh, what have I been playing? Well, Splatoon 3, a, a lot of it since it's come out, because I'm going to be throwing it Without out. me, we have yet to play together. We haven't, and, for, and I'm very sad about that, but we will soon, because, I, because you know, not only because I want to play with you, but also, you know, it'd be nice to have some extra information for the review that I'm going to be doing in a few weeks' time. But also, impressions are coming out soon, so I want to make sure I have some stuff. Yesterday, <laughs> it's funny, I went out to lunch with my friend Zach, and while we were out having lunch, we brought our Switches with us, and we had some local play. Um, is not only because we wanted to, but also because, you know, I wanted to test out the local play for the impressions piece coming out. So technically it was a business lunch. Har, har, har. Anyway. Um, was, like, is that local play not online? Local play not online. Yeah. There, Splatoon 3 does have it. Like if you have like, if each person has a switch and a copy of the game, then you can do local as well. 
it's better. So it's just you versus whoever you're with. Yeah. So because it was just he and I, it was a one v one match in turf mm-hmm. war, and then and then we teamed up to do summer, which is way hard with two people. But you get to choose whichever weapon you want. So you know, give and take there. Um, so that's fun. I've been playing a lot of Octopath Travel Champions of the Continent. Um, interesting thing about that game. It starts off as open as the first one does in a way because you get to choose one of the three routes, uh, wealth, power, or fame. But once you finish those stories, the story gets way more linear, which I kind of like, but also kind of like, hmm. But I like where the story's going. It's dark as hell. If you're a big fan of like how Octopath 1 got real dark with, st- with stories like Oberic and Primrose's story... Holy shit! It goes to some it, go, so. it goes to some dark places in that game. Like I do recommend if you're a fan of Octopath to try out Champions of the Continent. Um, it's gotcha, but you don't really have to engage with the with the with with that whatsoever. The game gives you enough stuff for free that you can get through the regular story without having to pay anything. I have pay, put money in just because I really like the game, but you don't have to. You what? Don't have I don't regret it, man. It's it's it's. How I'm much having... money did you spend on a, on this game? If you don't mind me asking. Uh, no comment. I will tell you after the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> I went and bought Pokemon cards, so you know I spent money on on nonsense uh, that I enjoy. So it's fine. There, there, well, there you go. So yeah, those are, those are, honestly those have been like the two main ones. I guess has been Octopath and uh, Splatoon. And Splatoon. Yeah, I would say so. Man, I am so close, I think, to finishing uh, Tales of Arise. I've just been annoyingly busy every time I sit down to play it. So uh, Tales of Arise is close to being done, and then I'm going to hop back into the Zelda train. I've also been playing Digimon Survive, um, which is also really dark. Um, I don't want to say really dark, but... I've got some bad ending vibes, and I'm not at the ending yet. Like some oh, things have no. happened, and I'm like, oh dear. Um, I think I'm I'm at a point where I'm gonna start over, and I don't don't want to start over. But oh. I feel like I'm gonna start over. I'm gonna lose all the all the Digimon that I caught. No, Brandon, you don't understand. The story has gotten really bad. Like I need to save the these children and it's not happening the way it should happen so i'm gonna end up having to start over because i refuse to replay i don't like replaying games i refuse to play through new game plus so i need to i need to rewind some things and make some things work um but those are the two that i've been playing i played uh splatoon for maybe like an hour uh splatoon 3 for like an hour and i was able to play with a friend of the show nolan um for a little bit and then i had to get off um but yeah i'm, I'm looking forward to having some splatoon matches with you in the future um yeah. and yeah we gotta figure out what team we're all going on for the Splatfest, which is gonna be annoying and then we'll do that hey that might be something we do uh this coming friday not no sorry not this coming friday because this friday there is no Splatfest, but maybe the following friday excellent yeah, I think that might be... Uh, it's going to be annoying uh, because there are too many options. Um, uh, all right, and with that, um, we have hit our marker on time. Uh, so thank you, Brandon. It has been a wonderful podcast. Um, I love Nintendo, love PlayStation, love Xbox, love all you listeners, love my wonderful co-hosts, love everyone at HP Critical, which if you haven't checked it out, please do, hpcritical.com. Uh, you will find a link to all the episodes for the podcast on there. Um, each episode is going to have its own article, and you can find us on uh, uh, iTunes, uh, Amazon, uh, Audible, Google Play, Spotify, um, basically anywhere that you listen to podcasts, as well as YouTube and, of course, on Twitch with the VOD later on. And with that, I'm tired. Same. So, good night, everybody. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
Bye. Bye.